Thank you for downloading this sermon. We hope you've been blessed by this ministry. If you'd like to give back, please invest in the future of Clearnote Church through our capital campaign, Faithful Through All Generations. To make a donation, visit clearnotebloomington.com slash give. If you were smart and you came to Sunday school this morning, you heard Alex speaking and teaching on the call of God and everything through to assurance. And it, it, is, uh, it is very important that we realize that the reason this church exists is not because of Tim Wagner. And it's not because of Jay Lee. It's not because of Rita Cuffey. And it's not, certainly not, because of Joni Duvall. Although you have as much right to claim this church as anybody has ever been here. I remember you coming to town and loving the Lord. It's not because of any of us, and it's not because of our parents, but it's because of God. And if the lineage of this church were written as the genealogy, you remember what Alex said this morning about the genealogy of Jesus? If the genealogy of this church were written, it would be just like the genealogy in Matthew of Jesus. And it would be just stinking sinners, right? But for some reason, God has chosen us, not just as individuals, but as churches. And now it's not just this church. It's churches in other parts of the country. And it's even churches in other parts of the world where we see that God has continued to pour his blessing out generation after generation. So many of you would remember Rita Cuffey, and you'd consider her a mother in Israel to you. Shauna, you and me, both of us, she was our mother in the faith. And the strength that Rita Cuffey gave to us, and many here have no idea who Rita Cuffey was. Don't get, don't make a mistake about why we exist, whether you're in another church or you're here in this church. The reason we exist is that God reached into the pit and he grabbed us and he pulled us up and we weren't lifting our hands. Okay, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. I was dead. David Wagner is dead, was dead. Josiah is, was dead in our trespasses and sins. And I'm saying that for two reasons. Number one is a lead into our text this morning. But another thing I want to say to you is, listen to this at the end of 1 Corinthians 15. It says, and you know, 1 Corinthians 15 is what chapter of Scripture? It's the resurrection chapter of Scripture. I have a book that thick on 1 Corinthians 15. And it's this, this wonderful chapter about how Jesus is raised from the dead. And so he goes through and he says, death's been swallowed up in victory. Jesus is the victor, okay? And then it says, therefore, so Stephen likes to talk about how all of the theology of Scripture is given so that we can have a therefore. And the therefore is always what they call ethical, or it's always commands. And so at the end of this this chapter on the resurrection, we have a verse that's preceded by the word therefore. So given the resurrection of Jesus Christ and our resurrection, therefore, 
Therefore, my beloved brethren, and when you read that, you just think, well, beloved brethren, you know, that's like King James English. But Paul loved the people he was talking to. He said, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Abounding. Now, if you know anything about me, you know that I always plant too many tomato plants. It's something in me. I don't get it. And now that I have acid reflux, I can't even eat the stupid things, but tomatoes are unbelievably abounding. It's incredible, the fruit that comes from tomato plants. You almost can't blow it with tomato plants, as long as you plant a few varieties, right? One variety might not do good one year. And so this year, first year we had, I think, 48. (laughs) And I think last year we had worked our way down to 24. Well, this year we only have what, love? Eight, ten? No, I don't think there's 15. Maybe there are 15. But it's less than last year. And so I went out the other day. We got them in real early. So I went out the other day, and we have a couple that are cherry tomato plants. And I looked at this one cherry tomato plant, and I just began to pick. And I began to reach in and lift up branches so I could see what was underneath. And then I began to pick them up. And pretty soon, I had the bottom of a full-size bucket covered with cherry tomatoes. And there's only me and Mary Lee. And this was just the first tomato plant that's beginning to produce. And all of a sudden, it hit me. You know, this plant is going to continue and only grow. And then right next to it is another cherry tomato plant. And yeah, we have Lucas and Hannah and their kids in the basement. I don't even know if they like tomatoes. And then there's a whole two rows of tomato plants. And I realized that I was going to be abounding in tomatoes. And Jesus wants us to abound in the work of the Lord. Jesus does not want us to be stingy and keeping track of our work for him. He wants us to be every bit as fertile and fecund and wacko as tomato plants. And so yesterday, you know, I, um, I watched this, this young woman in our congregation. And I have to tell you, I'm very partial to this young woman. And the reason I'm partial to her is that she has faith. And it just comes out of her every time you turn around. And I saw this young woman yesterday work and work and work in the Lord. I knew exactly what she was doing. And I loved her. You know how when you see people working in the Lord and abounding in the work of the Lord, you know, don't you love them? You just absolutely love them. And the thing I love about this woman is it's never about her. (laughs) 
I mean, it's, it's, it's funny when I say it. I know who I'm talking about. It's never about her. It's always about everybody around her. It's never about her. And Jesus, through the Apostle Paul, says what? Given the resurrection, what? Given the resurrection, therefore, what? My beloved sister, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. And listen, when I talk to those of you who are back here this weekend, and then I go home and call another one who wasn't able to come this weekend, and I hear what's going on in our churches, and another pastor's going to have to leave his church earlier this week who's been here for our conferences and stuff. And you can become convinced that your work is in vain. <laughs> you know? Right? I mean, anybody going to be honest? Anybody sometimes maybe despair? And then you look at the way you do shoot your, you know, I always love that Peter where it says, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't suffer for being Yes, thank you, Jody. That's what I was thinking, sinful. <laughs> I always think of being a certain, you know, you know. You shouldn't suffer because you're a jerk. And how many of you would agree with me that most of the time you suffer, <laughs> it's because you're a jerk? I mean, it's like, can I please once suffer because I'm right instead of because I'm wrong and a jerk? Right? Right? And Jesus, in his word, promises us that if we give ourselves to his church, wherever church you are, we give ourselves to the church, if we allow ourselves to abound in the work of the Lord, that our labor will never be in vain. And I'm telling you, you will spend much of your life thinking your work is in vain. And you will. You know, you'll, you'll have people live in your home, and when they move out of your home, they'll gossip and slander against you. Yeah, I remember this, this, this young woman that when we moved, she said, can I come live with you? You know, she had a horrible home. And we had known her in our former church, and we said, sure, you can come live with us. And so she came live with us, and then in our home, she got angry at me. And I don't think Mary Lee and I ever figured out why she got angry at me. And so she found a guy in the town, and she married him and got out of the home. And I think it was 20-some years later that we got this very sweet little note. And it was, thank you for loving me and bringing me into your home. And listen, that's a good one. Those of you who have had people living in your homes know that you can't, you can't expect that you're going to get that. I mean, those of you that have children, you know, how often do you get good things, you know? Every parent in this church was blown out of, out of their mind when finally Beth's sons got it together and bought her a car. You know, it's like, finally, can we have a man that appreciates Beth Alberson? And they did it. 
was like mind-boggling. It was actually a decent car they bought her too, you know. It wasn't, you know, an American-made car. <laughs> and so with your children, you see all these little children running around and you look at them and you say, what is going to happen with these children? And I guarantee you they're going to sin. And I guarantee you as they get older, their sins are going to get more serious. And isn't that who you are? And your heart is going to break as you see your children suffering under the discipline of God. But your labor is not in vain. Your labor is not in vain. It's not. And yes, your labor is stupid. <laughs> you know, the best you can say about how you're doing your work as a parent, as a father and a mother, is you're stupid. You know what Luther says about fatherhood? Fatherhood is one fool training another. <laughs> you know, and I think that's one of my favorite quotes about fatherhood. One idiot raising another. <laughs> my favorite image of my dad being an idiot was when he decided to pour a concrete floor for a little tiny metal building in our backyard by the garden where we keep all the tools. But what we really kept was just a bunch of hornet's nests. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so my dad, being an editor and a publisher and a writer and a speaker, but willing to work, you know, mixes up the concrete, and then pours it into the forms, and then who would want to ruin shoes and socks? He takes off his shoes and socks, steps into the concrete, and begins to smooth it. Now, anybody know what that means? <laughs> I mean, he had the worst case of sunburn you could ever imagine. But it wasn't sunburn. It was cement burn. And his, 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 he, almost, you know, he almost lost his feet. One fool raising another. That's the most we can hope for as Christians, that it's one selfish woman loving another in the church. It's one narcissistic husband telling his wife what to do, and she has to decide whether she's going to obey a narcissist. In other words, there are many reasons why God would tell us that our labor is in vain. And Satan's the accuser of the brethren, so he'll point out every mistake we've made in our work. But you do not abound in the work of the Lord without God making it fruitful. Okay? Rita Cuffey was a sinner, and this is the fruit of her life, this church. You're a sinner. And this church is your fruit. And as I preach, you give me strength. You. This is beautiful. So please, people, wherever you are, wherever you live, whatever your church is, your labors are not in vain. And boy, they sure look like they are. <laughs> you know, you, can, you have more sins and stupidity than you can shake a stick at. You know? That's why the Apostle Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners. I mean, the Apostle Paul wasn't under any delusions that it was him. 
And he still argued for his authority and demanded to be treated with respect and told Timothy to not let anybody despise his youth, and he was the chief of sinners. And so the Bible says your labor's not in vain. And our labor is not in vain. It's not in vain. I'm absolutely certain. Your labor with your children is not in vain. It's not in vain. So isn't that sweet that God tells us beforehand not only that he's the victor, but that we are victors. That we will see the fruit of our labors. And it won't be, it won't come the way we expect it to come. But we must not despair. You know, you can almost write the history of our efforts. Uh, my favorite is the deacons. If there's any group in our church that knows their labors are in vain, it's the deacons. It's in vain when people ask for money. It's in vain when people ask for food. It's in vain when they ask for rent. If you go and show up and move people into a house, they'll never come to church here. We know this. You'll carry the organ into their apartment in the middle of the night, you'll sweat like a dog as you do it, and you'll never see them. And your wife, my wife, will carry their dance floor into their barn. And then we have the skag. I mean, even when it's an inanimate objects, they torment us. How many weeks in a row have we had the skag, or lawnmower, break down now? It's like six weeks in a row? At least six weeks. What would you say? Four? Well, I was told five or six a week ago, and it broke down again this week. Did you know it broke down again this week? See? There you have it. There you have it. Your labors are not in vain. And that's another thing I've been wanting to say for a long time to you as a church. Every single gift that we have in a church is absolutely integral to this church's health, every single one. We tend to think that some, you know, when you play pick-up sticks, you, you know, you have a judgment of which sticks matter that you don't touch and which sticks you can touch. And the whole point of the game is the ones you think you can touch and keep the building intact end up being the ones that cause the whole building to come down and you realize that it was one you thought was integral that actually you could have pulled out and nobody would have missed it. And that's the church. You know, we have eyes, we have ears, we have big mouths. And mouths make lots of noise. And then we have parts that we cover. But the parts that we cover are no less important for the health of this church. And and, and this is very easy to see. When we look at Bob as a church, all right, Bob is a part we cover. Now, by that, I don't mean that that Bob is shameful. What I mean is that you can't talk to Bob without an interpreter. And if you go to kiss him, he's liable as not to hit your teeth out with his head. And he'll often sleep during the service. And sometimes he makes what I would call, for the sake of the younger children, ribald jokes 
because you probably, you don't know what ribald means, do you? See, I, there's another one, vicarious ribald. All right, look it up in the dictionary. This is your son. I got him on vicarious yesterday. And then you look at the way that God uses Bob in our church, and you say, could we pull him out without the church tumbling? And listen, there are a number of you who have husbands who have been unbelievably improved by caring for Bob. I mean, you realize this. What is a better school of holiness in this church than living in Bob's house and caring for him? You know, you can read J.C. Ryle, and then you can care for Bob. And which one's more important, Alex? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bob is somebody that in many ways is hidden. You can't easily communicate with him, and yet Bob is integral to the godliness of this church. And we all know this. You know this. And David, when did you care for Bob? Huh? David cared for Bob in the late 70s. One of the first things that happened to me when I came to this community and another church is I got this request to put into the bulletin a request for people to work with Bob, and that would have been back in 1992. And David was caring for him 20 years earlier. So listen. How many of you notice how clean the chrome is in the bathrooms? Come on. How many of you notice it? How many of you notice whether the floor is swept? How many of you notice whether or not there is a large print bulletin that you can read? Okay. How many of you notice the food? And so we've got preeminent Cindy Sparks. But I'm telling you, Brandon and Jeremy are climbing. <laughs> you know? They were. Whatever the gift is that God has given you, whatever the gift is, don't you dare be stingy with that gift. Don't you dare be stingy with it. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to ask you to sing a solo if you think that's your gift. Okay? The church is infallible when it comes to making the decision of what gift you're to give it. But you better tell the church so that they know what you think your gift is, and then if they say that's not your gift, then just be quiet. No, I'm real serious about that. So much of the problems in churches is people who have one gift thinking they have another and then oppressing the church through their use of what they don't have as a gift. <laughs> right? So, therefore, given the resurrection of Jesus Christ, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Be steadfast. Immovable. Now, Mike Bowles has that down to an art form. Mike Bowles is immovable. Right? So be Mike Bowles-ish with your works in the Lord. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing what? That your toil is not in vain in the Lord. It's not in vain. God 
my dad used to say, God is no man's debtor. I mean, the very idea of God having a debt to one of us is hilarious. God's no man's debtor. I'm so glad that I had a father whose God was large. God's no man's debtor. He sees every single thing you do in him. Your work in the Lord. He sees every single thing you do. And none of it is going to go without a payoff. The payoff will be his glory, but nothing will make you happier. You know? What do we want? We want our children to glorify God. We don't want them to be our friends. <laughs> I'm speaking aspirationally here. <laughs> right? You don't want Amelia just to be your friend, right? You want her to glorify God. That's right. Did you hear that, Amelia? So I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to get the band up here, and I'm not going to preach my sermon. That's my sermon. We'll be out of here before noon. So let's have a couple of hymns. Let's sing a couple of times. And if you want to hear a sermon on Psalm 14, you can listen to the first service. <laughs> See, you can teach an old dog new tricks. Come on up and let's sing. <laughs>